0: Dummy, 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 mm-hmm. dummy, Hello and welcome to the Choose Your Own After podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Today is our eighth episode, and I got to sit down and chat and catch up with Liza. And Liza, as you have heard before, if you've listened to any of our previous podcasts or checked out our website, Liza is kind of like my partner in crime and has been for the last year on all things to do with the Willow Jack platform that we we created. Uh, that includes the blog and now our podcast. But more importantly, she has become a beloved extended member of our family after she just spent the last summer um, working with us in the home. And for a little bit of context, um, I take... I kind of presume that you all know a little bit about my family dynamic, but I'll just explain quickly if you don't. Owen and Will are my 18-year-old twin sons. They are both uh, severely affected by autism, and I am a single mom to those boys. And I've also got another son who has now left home. So at the moment, it's just the three of us, and that means that... uh, Life can get pretty challenging, and we require a lot of support and assistance just kind of to get by, to get things done, and to have fun. And Liza stepped into that role this past summer, and we really had the summer um I don't want to say the summer of our lifetime, but we had a fantastic summer. Liza really fit that spot so well, and we just miss her so much. She's now gone back to her real life. (laughs) Um, And today we got to chat a whole bunch of stuff that, um, you know, I've been wanting to talk about in this podcast, and I think we're going to do this a little regularly. I hope that's all right for you guys, and I hope that, I have some listeners out there in the world of caregiving or disability that might find this interesting as well. Um, Today we got to touch on the topics of disability, disability studies, and professional caregiving. Um, Liza currently works in a group home situation, so we talked about that a little bit. But then we got into a conversation that's been really um, on my mind a lot and that's the issue of agency and when you have children who are likely lifetime dependents um, when they how, how do you incorporate the idea that your kids can have a voice at the table in making decisions about their life when you know that there are a lot of Obstacles <laughs> um, when there are a lot of obstacles and things that you kind of have to work through or to put in place to make that happen it's an interesting conversation. I was so happy to have it with her, although I do most of the talking um, so I hope you'll enjoy this podcast episode. but one thing I do want to note um. I really feel badly that I kind of jumped over talking about my Owen in this conversation. It almost seemed to be all focused around Will. And for the purpose of the topics that we talked about, uh, Will was at the forefront. And I promise we will talk more about Owen so you can get to know him a little bit better in future episodes. So settle in. I hope that you enjoy what you hear and please let us know what you think about the podcast. If you've got topics that you'd like us to discuss in future episodes, or if you'd ever like to be a future guest, you could also uh, drop us a line at info at willowjack.com. And please don't forget to uh, share and subscribe to the podcast so that you can listen regularly as we drop a new episode every Thursday. So settle in and I hope you like what you hear. Thank you for being here. Hey, Liza. Hi, Daisy. Okay, we're gonna do this. Okay. Okay. So how are you doing right now? We just got through Thanksgiving weekend. How was your
1: Thanksgiving? It was really nice. It was pretty relaxed. We were just at the cottage. We saw some family. But pretty good. How about you? Well,
0: nothing. We did nothing. We did nothing. That is what we did. We actually we had dinner at my dad's on Saturday night, which was nice because it's the first uh, time that we'd been in his house, actually with the boys for a couple of years, (laughs) I think. So that was really nice. But that's all we did. Like, We won't get into that conversation because it was pretty depressing, I'll admit. I felt like Thanksgiving was a total bummer in all ways, in all ways. But anyway, that's okay. That's okay. Um, What I wanted to ask was, do you guys even dip your toe in the water at this time of year, even to be brave or not at all?
1: Uh, Good question. My dad actually did go swimming. He did? Yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. Which none of us else even got close to the water. It like, windy and wavy this weekend, so it was a challenge to get even close. But he was determined.
0: Oh, my gosh. It, will this be the last weekend he'll do that?
1: Probably, yeah. Yeah.
0: And for reference, for anyone listening, that's, like, Ontario. So that's a cold, lake to begin with. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's pretty impressive. Like, and does he actually swim-swim? Or he's no. just like, no, I'm going to dunk and I'm going to...
1: Yes okay just a he's
0: out. oh good for him good for him okay well we have been wanting to do this podcast together well since it was created in our brains like a year ago mm-hmm. um and I know we bowed out because of your shyness really more than anything <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but we've got you here today and I think rather than us focusing all on you we're gonna talk about different issues instead and we'll do it together sound okay okay all right so one thing the easiest thing that we could talk about that joins us together is it's not all about me and my boys but around the topic of disability and because that's really well it might not be the only thing that brought us together but um disability is the prime thing so I'd like, and I think I, I do know bits, um, but I'd like to know a little bit about, well, no, sorry, let's backtrack before what I want to know. Sure. Let's tell people who have not read your blogs and don't know you at all, what brought you into this world of disability at all? Can you think back to the beginning?
1: Sure. Um so I was originally going to go to university for childhood studies, and that's what I actually accepted my offer as, because I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do, but that seemed easy, and I've always liked kids, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but in high school, I did a placement at Grandview Children's Center, uh, which is which has a school attached to it that's just for kindergarten-age kids um, who have been more like extra needs that couldn't be met in a regular school. Right. So I did a pl- placement there um, and that was very overwhelming. So that definitely dipped my toe into the world of disability, but I didn't think I would want to do it forever. Right. Um, and then in grade 12, I did a uh, placement at Big Brothers Big Sisters. Or maybe it was the other way around. I don't know. It doesn't so,
0: matter. It doesn't either matter. Either <laughs> way, I also
1: did a placement of Big, Big Sisters yeah. um, where I was matched with 11 kids in a community school who had different sort of challenges at school. So it was more like emotional, behavioral, family challenges, school challenges. Um, right. Stuff like that. So that was a little bit different. I like that one. Um, It was hard in different ways. Yeah. But, anyways, I, both of those were with kids, and that's what I decided that's what I liked. Um, but then I went to, I actually took my first, and I worked with you guys over the summer, but I'm skipping that part and I'm going. Okay. <laughs> <at home. laughs>
0: We don't count. We didn't. I'll come back to to that.
1: I've already accepted my offer at this point. (laughs) Um, Anyways, but I did go and I took my first childhood class, and they didn't talk about people like Owen Will or people like any of the kids that I worked with. Which is what made me realize that maybe disability studies is where I wanted to be, if that's all I was thinking about. Because childhood classes don't just have to talk about kids with disabilities, obviously. But that's what I wanted to talk about, I felt like. Right. Um, so, yeah. So then it's out for me that my school, um, I go to Western and all college associate called King's. And they also have a disability studies program that's a pretty new program so I also fell in love with it obviously and have just graduated in the spring from my disability studies degree so And that was a long winded answer I don't know if that answers no <laughs>
0: that's a good answer but I guess well I've got two questions sure. I think my first one is easy the second one is harder so the first one okay. disability studies like what is the purpose of a court or a program like that like what would it lead someone into um into what type of career
1: um yeah they actually talk about this um a lot in disability studies how they have a lot of people from all over so there are people in disability studies who have gone to lots of teachers who want to be special education teachers um but there are people who go are doing a double major in business or psychology right um or family studies or like social development kind of things yeah um But it is a pretty broad, it doesn't really put you into one specific career, which is great and also kind of frustrating.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. So is it typically taken as an undergrad degree with the assumption that many will go on to take some kind of master's program afterwards?
1: Definitely, yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. I don't think I realized that, actually. Mm -hmm. And so is the program, does it consist of a lot of psychology courses or sociology or what kind of uh pro- what kind of classes do you take in it
1: um so most are disability studies classes that are offered by the program um okay and they so i took like nine just disability studies um and really it's so new there aren't a lot of required courses so you can right. kind of choose and pick so um, what you're more interested in, so I did take a few extra psych courses to fill in some spots, um, but usually it's I don't it's just a bit of really <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, of course. Okay then. Yeah. yeah. Okay then. All right. And I guess my first question that we passed over because I knew you would not like it. Um, mm-hmm. is to talk about what kind of brought you to the decision ultimately, because it's not just exposure to kids or people with disabilities that would make you decide. Like there's gotta be a real heart or seed of an idea or thought or belief or value or something in you that makes you kind of end up there, I would think anyway. And I doubt very highly that you are motivated by going, I want to take the easiest program out there. And I don't think you're motivated (laughs) by, I'm going to take a program that's going to get me the best job either. I think you're someone that puts thought into everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, so of those were definitely my not my, my motivations. Yeah. Um but so are you wondering like why I'm still yeah. in it? What made me um
0: Absolutely so,
1: Yeah. Well, I loved Owen and Will. And I love Owen and Will. So those are Stacy's. Easy boys. to love. Easy to, Easy to love. love. Easy so to love. perfect. So they were good like When I worked with you guys the summer before university I was like wow these guys are really cool I want to meet more people like them
0: right right
1: (laughs) um and I do but I also don't ever give myself any credit so I (laughs) um just kind of thought like that was a summer job it was great and then Owen and Will would like forget about me
0: oh my gosh
1: (laughs) but I do remember in when I I hated first year university like every minute of it um but I remember I was like alone in my dorm room one day, and you texted me mm-hmm. saying that Will was doing a worksheet or something at school, and he yes. had to like label his family, and he put my name on it. And yes, I, <laughs> and I was like, "Whoa, I guess I he likes me." <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, yeah, but then I kind of realized maybe I was kind of cut out for this, and I did really like it, and it made me happy that Will remembered me. Um, yes. So I think that I, was definitely a big part.
0: Wow, well, that that's great. I wasn't expecting you to say that. Actually, I think I do think having you know my own experience working in that field a little bit through high school and university, um you know, before going on into my whatever my normal life ended up being I remember that feeling as well like you you could have a job where you just do the job and you have an impact Mm -hmm. on people that comes and goes and and you know you know you make a difference maybe for a couple of minutes but then it disappears but you know there are a lot of people in that field that work with kids like mine that that they do they're not forgotten But they do go on with their lives and they forget about Owen and Will.
1: (laughs) And Mm -hmm. Owen and
0: Will may forget about them. But I think that your connection to the boys has always been like it's a heart connection. And I know that's a real girly word. (laughs) But I think that it's not just because you're all three wonderful people. I think it's because... You are a type of person that sees, and I'm putting words in your mouth by saying this because you may have a different way of looking at it, but I think you see people as people first and you, as you would, you know, a neurotypical person, you look for the traits or the characteristics or the things that you share in common and all those things, And a lot of people don't do that with people like my kids. They see them as their disability first. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they might take the time to chip away to get to their personalities and their quirks and their, you know, the gifts that they bring. But you kind of do that in reverse. And that's what makes you special. And I think that the boys really recognize that trait in you and in other people like you um -hmm. and that's why I think you're cut out for this not just because they liked you (laughs) but because they did love you but it's it's that you have you've just got the most purest vision of the way the world should be and I believe that that's the way the world should be we should accept everybody is equal period you know we may all come with a different you know different um gifts and strengths and weaknesses perhaps but everybody is equal and not everybody sees people like that so anyway I'm glad that that's the field you went into I'm really excited to see where you end up I hope it's somewhere in our world (laughs) (laughs) somehow but (laughs) London is far enough from where we are right now it's too far it is too far kind
1: of, never however farther. <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> however I can't complain about how far you are if your own parents don't complain like I can't be the one complaining more than them so I do realize I have to like wind it back a little bit no it's okay <laughs> you're supposed to spread your wings and fly so spread your wings and fly just hurry up and like okay make the fly, fly back home yeah Got fly it. back quicker. <laughs> anyway we are grateful for you and you know I think We've over the years, like Owen and Will have had dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of different people who've been in their life. You know, there are therapists, there are community workers, respite workers, just babysitters, quote unquote, Um, speech paths, you know, physical therapists, uh, psychologists, psychiatrists teachers EAs I'm listing them all because really I'm not exaggerating when I say like there are so many and there really are maybe 10 to 15 I would say that have had a profound impact on me um, Mm -hmm. because of how I saw that they were with our boys and those are the ones where we kind of invite them into our world and into our family and you are definitely gosh you weren't just in our family you were like in our dirty laundry.
1: Yes, <laughs> you... an honor,
0: my honor. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. The dirty laundry bit. Oh, there were some things that nobody should have to, you know, be exposed to and you were. So <laughs> I'm grateful for that. Um, but I think what's been really interesting for me is being able, you know, you and I are so widely apart in age and you're you're supposed to say no you're not that old. No, we're not, we're not that old. Yeah, not old. <laughs> no, um but we are and it's been so easy to connect with you and i love that we come from two completely different places but you've offered perspectives that have kind of i don't know made me think a little harder than i would have before on a lot of issues and especially around everything to do with disability and my boys and um I guess one of the things that you and I have talked about, or you might've written about it before you did write about it. You wrote a blog about caregiving and what it's like, kind of like a day in the life. I don't think you wrote it that way. I can't remember the title of that blog. Do you remember which one I'm Um, talking about?
1: Is it the one how people are scared to be caregivers? Maybe
0: Maybe that one, or it's the one with, with like you get to rest afterwards is that it
1: oh yes full-time forever caregivers yeah yes yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yes that's the one that kind of helped me I don't know why it helped me but I really like I liked everything you write by the way and again for anyone listening for the first time Liza um, has been part of the Willow Jack kind of platform that we created over a year ago it started off as a blog and Liza was just going to help me, if you remember, just to do all the admin yep, stuff. Yep. <laughs> and I thought, well, no, you should write with me. And I remember you saying you couldn't write or you had nothing to say. And oh my gosh, yeah. I think you are like a favorite among a lot of the, you know, the readers that have been reading for the whole time. You are definitely up there in the favorites that they all wait to see what you've got to say. <laughs> oh, it's well, true. <laughs> it's so true. Um, But you just have a way of kind of putting to words things that we all kind of take, not take for granted, but that just kind of are part of everyday life and you find a way to look at it and examine it and put it into words and we wouldn't know how to. So
1: when it comes
0: Mm. to talking about all things caregiving, I've really appreciated it because you've, you've kind of spoken about it from the professional side and but you're not, you're way more than a caregiver that gets paid I'll I'll say that like in my family and I know that's the same in your current job as well Um, it's so true though and you know I'm sure that if you and I had to compare our thoughts on every issue we wouldn't agree on everything probably Mm -hmm. Um, but you've got a real great way of kind of um, making it work and figuring out how to meet in the middle somewhere just like your almond story That's a good example. Note anyone listening, you got to go back and read that one. (laughs) What was it called?
1: Every Every Almond Almond Counts.
0: Yes, you got to read that one. So let's talk about that for a second. So, um, when I worked in group homes way back when, one of the things that I remember that really stands out for me is that I was always in a kind of relief or part-time position in the group homes that I worked in, Mm -hmm. unless I was working one-on-one with an individual in the community. And I was always kind of the one that was brought in on a shift to cover for someone or to plug a hole or whatever it was. And I remember kind of looking at the full-time workers that were there and they all talked about burnout And some Mm -hmm. of them burnt out very quickly, like after even a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that the turnover was always so high. And I know that, you know, for relief and part-timers, they didn't get a lot of credit because they were filling all those holes and they were often the ones doing the double and the triple shifts when people were no shows. Um, But they didn't get the credit for that because it's almost like they were always there to relieve the poor full-timers, even though, you know, um, (laughs) And I don't know if that's true for you, but I I do remember that well. And I remember thinking way back then that that was a career I might look into doing because I loved, I just got so much back from uh, working in that environment. But I could see the burnout for me, I think was more system- systemic. It was that I didn't love the management or the way things were run, or I didn't... Um, It didn't align with my kind of morals or my value system. And it was a long time ago. It was back in the 90s. Um, And, you know, I worked with a lot of people who had just come out of an institution um, and were put in a group home for the first time. And there were a lot of transitional kind of things going on where people didn't really know how to make it work yet. Um, Mm -hmm. It was very difficult emotionally, I'd I'd say, for me. Um, observing some things that I just thought were so heartbreaking and not being able to have a voice (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I would I kind of thought that that would be what would lead me to have a burn like burnout myself and that's what kind of made me not want to go into that career so for you what's your kind of point of view on that could you see yourself being a caregiver for the rest of your life as you are now and I don't know we haven't even talked about that in this podcast but um, Yeah, you don't have to say where you work, but you could tell us a bit about what you do.
1: Yeah. So I've been working at a group home for adults uh, with disabilities. This is my third year now. And throughout school, I also did the part-time relief. And now I'm just on a short-term full-time contract right now to fill some holes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I don't think I could be a caregiver like I am forever. Um, which I feel bad saying that because there are people who are like yourself who are caregivers forever and um but it is and I think I'm really lucky about where I work um because to work at the group home I work at you really don't need you don't need any ed- education and you don't need any experience really right um if you're you get interviewed if you have if you seem like a good person, you'll probably get hired, and then we'll train you on whatever you need to know. Um, right. Which seems strange, but I think it's actually worked because it's all young people um, who aren't doing this because they have to do it. They want to do it. Um. And it's totally not, agree. They're just trying something new, uh, and they don't really know what they're getting themselves into. <laughs> but it usually yeah. works out. It usually really works out um, for most people anyway, and so. But also because people are young, there is a lot of turnover, so people aren't staying too long. Um, and there are a few people who have stayed a really long time, and honestly, they seem <laughs> most of them are fine. <laughs> but they um, have also kind of grown up in this because they start so young. They've kind of grown up in this house with all the um, residents who live there.
0: Right. Right. So
1: yeah. And I
0: think so- I think that you just touched on that whole idea. Of, um, you know, feeling guilty in saying that, which you shouldn't feel guilty, by the way, if you don't think that's something that you want to do forever. Um, But I think there's something to be said for the fact that when you take on a career like that as well, when when you're working for someone else, you're not always able to implement kind of the ideas and the i don't know what other words am i looking for like you might have your own goal set that you'd like to set or Mm -hmm. your own way that you'd like to kind of set up a home and you may not be allowed to because it's within the restrictions you're in a funny kind of position where you're trying to create a home environment but yet you're not allowed I'm sure to kind of make it homey in the way that you would like to because no. you have to adhere to a set of guidelines or rules established by someone else.
1: Yeah, yeah, completely. I took a class in university that was all about institutions. Yeah. Um and the prof did her PhD or lived at a group home. Um one of the same ones that I work at, which is a large. And she always had a problem that everyone had to have a on their bedroom right she's like homes don't you usually have fire doors but because they technically are an institution they're like regulated to have these fire doors but she's like it seems we can't keep the doors open like they shut automatically so everyone's doors are slamming all the time um and she interesting but she was just like so which is just a small thing but that is just something that i don't know it always stuck out to me but there are rules that you have to follow
0: well yeah because that's another reminder that it's not a home Or that it doesn't feel like a traditional home. It doesn't feel like a home
1: yet. Our house, like, because of tripping hazards, we don't have a coffee table, and we don't have decorations for choking hazards. Right. It is is different, but... Maybe the staff kind of do have to work a little bit harder to try to make it feel like a home. Right.
0: And it sounds like in Larsh that is one of your objectives. Whereas there have been group homes I've been a part of where that was not the objective, (laughs) you know, Right. where I, I know that I personally would have liked to work on those things. And it was not only discouraged i was told not to or you know the whole idea that there was a certain time of day where everyone got their meds their medications and not only was it not happening in a casual setting like if someone was reading a book in the living room we didn't bring them their medication they had to come line up at a separate Mm -hmm. you know it was just it felt like an institution it felt like you know yeah and There were so many parts of that. I just hated so much. And I'm not, this is not, um, I'm definitely not trying to put down group homes because they are necessary. I think at this Mm -hmm. time and place, we don't have other solutions right now that work for the mass population. But I, I just know that that was what I struggled with. And what I loved that you said too, is I didn't realize that like their hiring process I think Mm -hmm. that that's very much like how I like to hire when I'm in a position to hire anyone um, help for my boys is that it's based on personality. And, you know, I do think that for me personally, I think that it's important that there are some things that I kind of know about a person first, you know, that they're independent or that they're strong decision makers on their own. They aren't very needy I guess I want someone that can kind of step in and take over if they need to
1: um,
0: so that I can entrust the lives of my two kids with them basically Mm -hmm. Um, but it is personality and you know I think that my guys are at an age now so they're 18 now That they're kind of if I were to hire someone right now, which I haven't done in a few years, I think I would kind of do a trial period of a couple of weeks because I really think that the boys have a voice of their own in their own way and where they can tell me that they like or they don't like someone they don't actually can come, they won't come out and say I don't like that person but it becomes very obvious very
1: quickly. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and I think that that's that's a fair way to hire people now, you know, ensuring that some, you know, some guidelines are really met. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's and that kind of brings us to an interesting conversation that we could kind of lead into and I know you and I talked before uh doing the podcast that we would discuss this as an issue, but I'd like to talk a little bit about the whole idea of agency. And I know that's a word that I didn't really even understand until later in life. Um, (laughs) Almost like having your own free will or your own sense of person being able to control or um, make some, make decisions on your own that are about yourself. Um, And I know that that word is applied for both physical and your thoughts as well and actions. Um, and it's something that I've struggled with and I wonder how much, you know, you've thought about this in your studies and in the work that you're doing and even in your experience and working with my guys. Um, I'm really struggling. My boys are 18 years old now and up until now, for a bit of reference for anyone listening, I, I don't want to just kind of pigeonhole the boys with some labels and examples because there are there's a lot more layers to them than what I could describe in a couple of seconds on this podcast. Um, but I will say that Owen is, you know, Owen is affected by autism in a pretty severe way. Um, it affects him oh my gosh, How I don't even know how to describe my boys. And I hate kind of having to do it, you know, but I do want to give a bit of context. But he has challenges in, um, in understanding, uh, help me out here, Eliza, in kind of understanding information as it's given to him. I, yeah. I really don't know all the time how much, He understands when I have conversations with him. I kind of work on the presumption that he understands everything. However, you can give simple directions like, please put this laundry in your bedroom. And he'll stand there with a hamper and have no idea where to go. Like he's not making the connection of what his bedroom actually is. So there is that a language processing kind of issue or is that real understanding of you know information i don't know i'm not really sure where he's at um owen is 100 percent nonverbal. um he does not communicate with words he is apraxic very severely apraxic um meaning that even if he does have the words that he would like to use he has um some real motor planning issues so that the muscles in his mouth and face don't even allow him to physically kind of form the shapes and movements required, um, to get those words out. Um, and Owen as well has some challenges as well, physically, um, not physically, but in motor planning, I would say, um, like fine motor, he still requires assistance with things like buttoning clothing, um, you know, while kind of preserving his dignity, I would say we still do have to do all of his personal care, including assistance in the bathroom, pretty much. Um, And there's a lot more to talk about (laughs) in that as well, but I won't do that today. Um, But then Will, on the other hand, Will is someone who's kind of surprised us because he's someone that I've had a lot of challenges with Will his entire life, um, behaviorally, um, he is a kid that often had high anxiety that kind of showed up in real, um, obsessive compulsive behaviors. That's still an issue today. Um, and he had, uh, a lot of, he had a lot of motor planning kind of issues as challenges as well, but they kind of worked themselves out as he got older, um, as well as his speech, And his speech, he's still deemed as nonverbal, but he definitely um, understands language. And he definitely, he's smart as a whip. (laughs) Um, And he can, I'm not quite sure what his vocabulary is, but he can spell and he could read. And he taught himself to do that all by himself um, from a very young age. And his mind just works in such a fascinating way. Um, we haven't even really figured out how it works, but I do think that he's got an incredible memory. Um, and I think he thinks in pictures. I think he's a very visual kid. Mm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different things that I notice. If we could get the language and pair it for him, I think that he could tell us that he has memories of things going way, 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 way back beyond anything. We kind of thought that he remembered, Um, And in saying all that about the two boys where they're at right now at 18 years old is I'm kind of in this place where here in Ontario, and I don't know if it goes by school board or if it's, it must be a provincial regulation for school um, that kids or people like Owen and Will can attend high school until their 21st year. So the boys have, you know, two or three more years to go um, in school And somewhere along the way, Will has learned that the age of 18 means you're an adult. And somewhere along the way, Will has connected the fact that adults don't attend school. (laughs) And he has decided that he is done school. So what that looks like is looking at the calendar. And oftentimes he takes the calendar and he'll take a pen and he'll write, no in front of every day of the week where I've written school. He puts the word <laughs> no in front of it. <laughs> oh,
1: William.
0: So he thinks that because it's written in the calendar, it is the law. And mm-hmm. so we we're having a lot of struggles. And so it's brought up this conversation, you know, that every parent of um, children that have any kind of disability, has I think you know that I where you have dependent children that you know they may not have independence Um, we have to kind of plan for the future and I never dreamt in a million years that I'd be here already that school would almost be over and I have to figure out what's next for them so planning for the future is huge but I still kind of thought I had a few more years to go and I'm at this place where I'm kind of deciding do I honor Will's wish that school is over or do I kind of stay in that parental role of kind of saying too bad so sad and treat him like a little child kind of that wants candy that he can't have candy (laughs) and say no because I'm your mom and it's not healthy for you you're not gonna have it Um, that's kind of where I'm at and it's really interesting the more people I talk to And I tell them that this is kind of where I'm at. There are definitely, definitely more people than not who think that they should be in school until they're 21. Really? Yeah, it is shocking to me. And I'm not going to get too into this because it actually gets me riled up a little bit. Because I think in hearing that conversation, it kind of showcases the fact that not everybody believes that, will has the ability to make a decision for himself or that he has the right to make a claim to that decision if that makes sense and that bothers me because yeah I'd love to say no you're going to do as I say (laughs) you know it's convenient for me I want you to stay in school until 21 give me another few more years to figure this out because I don't know what we're going to do and I don't know what I'll do with you all day and have you at home. So keeping you in school is a lot easier. But just because it's easy for me doesn't mean it's right. And if if he did not have autism and if he could be a better communicator he could probably advocate for himself and say no I'm done I've done my 18 years and school is not for me yeah and yeah you know and I I get that kids will want to say that a lot of them like they're done school but 18 years is a fair amount of time Done his
1: time yeah he
0: has done his time and not only has he done his time but let's go back in time and you know if anyone's listening here who have kids with autism and they were in a therapy program my guys started in therapy they were diagnosed at two and a half years old um and they started therapy within months of that diagnosis and that meant they were immediately in like a 20 hour a week program and then we had preschool added on top of that so at least from the age of three so they started a full-time you know, program from three and way back when from three till about six or seven, I believe, there were no summers off. It was all we moved up to a 40 hour a week program. We moved to Alberta and we kind of went all in because we also had that ticking time bomb thing over our heads where everybody told us, you know, the olden day (laughs) way of thinking that, you know, autism was, um, you know, Autism was mixed wires in the brain, essentially. And the only way you could rewire them would be to have this intensive therapy. And, you know, we bought into that. And I'm not going to, that's another topic of conversation for another podcast episode. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will say that that therapy absolutely was necessary at the time for us because we were not even able to break through to communicate with our boys in any way, shape or form. Their needs were not being met. We were not able to work with them in any way. It was just all day long meltdowns. That's all we had back then. Um, They were in their own worlds. And that therapy actually allowed us to connect with our boys. So in that being said, they've, they've been going to school longer than most. And let's be really fair. And I would even argue that people with autism work a thousand times harder than the average person just to get through their day
1: totally
0: (laughs) right so they deserve to kind of have a break the challenge the challenge is how What's what's next and how do we make it work for the whole family unit and at the moment the whole family unit is just me and the twins and I have to find my own way of you know um earning an income and i don't have the money to kind of pay for caregivers or aides because there's two of them as well which makes it even more challenging um anyway that's where i'm at so this conversation about agency and and letting will have a conversation on on it um yeah it's just it's a conundrum
1: (laughs) it it is yeah all I know is if my mom told me I had to do next year of high school I would have been upset
0: I know (laughs) but for people
1: for people like me there like are options after high school I could have you know like getting a job take a year off whatever whatever you know whereas people like Will those options aren't um as plentiful so no that's even trickier
0: that's right that's right and I think you know I think that there have even been some people where I've told them this and I can kind of hear them laughing not laughing like to put them down but laughing Mm -hmm. almost like oh that's so sweet that's so cute you had a conversation with Will no I legitimately had a conversation with Will about it I know he can't speak in a conversational way but Will has done everything in his power I would say since about August, it's fair yeah. to say that he has been telling me no school. and he you can see his mind working, and he tries to find these different ways to show me what he means exactly by saying no school because every now and then he'll say it to me like he did tonight. He'll say, "No school. Every night he says it, and every morning he says it. And I'll say, "No, you have school. Tomorrow is Wednesday. We have school. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And he'll say one more school and Mm -hmm. one more school to him means one more year of school. I figured that much out. It doesn't mean one day. It means one more year. And what he does is he gets the calendar out and he flips it to June, 2022. And he says one more school. So he's showing me I'm going to keep going till June, 2022, but then I'm done. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I have had the conversation with him where, I, in the very beginning, I kind of brushed it off, and I, I'd say, no, well, you know, you have till 2024, 2024, and you know, that's how we've been pushing down a lot of things. Is like the big he wants a big massive holiday that okay. Liza is expected to come on as well,
1: <laughs> where is, we're is, gonna because he wanted to happen next year. Too. He,
0: I am insisting that that one is still 2024 because there is okay. no money for that trip
1: <laughs> at okay, all. Okay. A lot of things have happened. I to just happen. didn't know if he was trying to fast forward time to get this trip. No,
0: <laughs> no. and it's interesting because I could see him, you know, in a way that would make sense to me, where I think, okay, he doesn't really get it, right? He's just trying to get to what he wants faster. Mm-hmm. But no, I so I sat him down the one day where we were talking about this idea of you know one more year of school, and I said, uh, you know, I would, I realized that I was treating him like a child, and I was saying, you know, giving him little, not f- I, I, w- I was lying to him in a way, you know, I was kind of feeding him information to kind of keep him quiet and happy. And this day I said, okay, Will, let's talk about it. I sat down and you know that Will gets that it's going to be a serious conversation because he sets his iPad to the side. Yeah. (laughs) And I know he like stared at me so intently with his eyes. Like he wanted to understand everything and he wanted to have this conversation. And I said, Will, do you want to go to school or are you all done school? And he says, all done school. And he said it like that and he shook his hands out. And I said, okay, well, Will, when adults are finished school, I said, they don't get to stay home every day. (laughs) They have to find something new where they go every day. I said, you have to have a job or a class or an activity. And I said, adults go to work every day. And that didn't help because he knows that I have not been going to work every day. I've been at home with him. So that didn't really help and go in my favor. That's another thing I'm going to have to work on later on to explain. However, when I said this to him, I asked him, you know, what kind of job would you like? And that's a really hard thing. So we were talking about the things that interest him. And he told me he'd like to work on the farm, which um, (laughs) for those of us who, who know him, we, my best friends, own a farm that is very close to us in proximity, and we love it there. However, Will is lying his face off if he, <laughs> saying he
1: wants to work. At the farm.
0: <laughs> Come on, like he might want to yeah. go and count the piglets and chase a couple of chickens and maybe pick some eggs but you are not going to see Will hauling heavy bales of hay or pumpkins or whatever. And if he does, it'll last five minutes of the day. So I think he recognizes that that is a possible job and he doesn't know what else he can kind of say in its place. Mm -hmm. Um, So I told him that we had to think about it and we had to start making some plans for what we would do if he was not in school And, you know, and he said that particular day that we had the conversation, he jumped up off the couch and he says, adult. And I said, yeah, adults have to do chores and you have to start showing mom that you can do adult things and help mommy out at the house. And so he jumped up, he went upstairs and he made his bed right away, which is shocking. That does not happen. Um, And I will say since that conversation a few weeks back, will now his regular chore, Liza, you'd be very proud of him. Is he feeds the dogs every morning and every night, and he keeps their water dishes full, and wow. he even is yeah, and he's super careful. He doesn't let the water spill.
1: Ooh, so better
0: than me, I know much better. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he's working really hard. I can tell to prove to me that he can do certain things reliably. It's kind of really interesting. Wow. I know. So this goes back to kind of that thing that bothers me and I don't want to focus too much on it because it's not worth my time but the other people in our life that kind of mock the thought of Will being able to communicate his desires for what he wants to do with his life it really Pisses
1: me off. frankly yeah, it seems like the message is coming in loud and clear. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I and know. the people laughing it off won't have to be the mom fighting him every morning trying to get him
0: to go well, for the like two years. Thank you, you know? for saying <laughs> that. Yeah, that's a whole thing unto itself. It, we've gosh, I don't even want to know. Um, I don't know what our attendance count is so far. It's not looking very good right now. I will say that it's attributed to sleep more than ever and more than anything at all. We're not, we're in our second month of school now and we are not getting sleep in this house, regular sleep at all. But when you add to it, the fact that Will doesn't want to go to school either um, it is just, it's near impossible to get them out the door in the mornings. But anyway, I, I, I'd love to hear if there's anyone listening that have experience with this. Um, I guess it's just, I know that school is just one example of where Will is going to discover that he has a voice at the table. And I'm so happy because gosh, that's what we've worked for like all these years, you know, 15 years of um, work with Will. We want him to have his own voice so that he can tell us what he wants for his life and he's kind of telling me in his own way so I want him to tell me more like tell me more but when you hear what he wants then the challenge is how do you say no when it's something that he may not be able to have and you know I was thinking about this even more because I've got a good friend um out west and her son went through the initial years with my boys and i love this kid to death and I recently saw on social media and I hope it's okay that I'm talking about it um he has autism as well and I saw that he was riding a little uh, not little actually but a riding mower in the yard and they gave him the keys and he's now (laughs) driving this thing around and it's so startling because it startling not because I think it's wrong but because I just think back to when our kids were so little and gosh, it just like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. But then it also scares the heck out of me. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, what if that's the next thing? Because I know Will has grabbed my keys more than once mm-hmm. and it scares the heck out of me. What if that's the next thing where he asks, can I drive, you know? <laughs> and you know, he may, he is a kid that could learn how to drive, but is he a kid that can make the decisions to know that you can't drive on the wrong side of the road? or that you can't drive through someone's front door because you want a quick view of what's inside their closet. (laughs) Like there are some things we're going to be saying no to. Um, So some, I do know parents along the journey of, you know, from when they were toddlers till now, who frankly want to kind of keep their children Young, just so that they can't have a voice because it's too inconvenient to let them say what they want, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I hate admitting to that, I'm not one of them, but I know that that happens. I know that that happens. Um, anyway, this is just you know, we're not solving the world, you and I, in this conversation, Liza, but we're Mm -hmm. talking about
1: no, yeah, I have the same issues (laughs) at the group home,
0: like, do you,
1: every single day? It's like. And it, even my piece about the almonds, like almonds are a simple thing. But if this yes. woman is asking me for almonds, who am I to say no? Like if she, this is her house, no one tells me I can't have almonds, you know? Right. Um, but it's, so it's every day with all of the residents is like, do we give them everything they want? And where is the balance between giving them right a responsible amount of things, if that makes sense.
0: A hundred percent. There's a hundred percent. No one knows. I don't know the answer either. Yeah, because it's not just because of their not just because of their diagnosis. It's also, you know, Will is another will is the perfect example for a lot of this because Will is someone who hates exercise. He Mm -hmm. hates healthy food. He hates so many things. And he is driving himself to diabetes because he does not eat healthy. I cannot get that kid to eat a piece of broccoli to save his life. And you know, I think this summer, I think we had high hopes that we were two people. And I finally thought, oh my gosh, I have Liza in my house for the summer we are going to get these kids eating healthy. It is not a simple thing. Lord. It is not, and then it's
1: like, is it worth the fight? Just to get I know him, if he gets them so angry, and oh, it's hard.
0: I know, I know. So, it is. It's really this tough, tough, tough thing of, you know, if this was um, a neurotypical person, uh, would I have the same fights with them? And part of me thinks I would. If yeah. I'm still kind of the one responsible for your care, if you're, and this is the traditional old fashioned parent in me where I'm like, if I'm still paying your bills, I'm the one who has to take you to the doctor. I'm still the one that has to make your food. I'm still the one. Then totally. yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to battle it with you and you don't get the free for all that you want, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um But I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. I think. Honestly, what I loved about having you here, Liza, so much, and what I really, really recognized was the best gift of having you here was just that I've really missed over the years. I've been on my own with the boys um, seven years now, and it's having that second person to just bounce these thoughts off of because you kind of get caught in this kind of, you know, toilet bowl (laughs) swirling of thinking where – you know, I get caught in these thoughts and I'm by myself and thinking them. And then I end up going down the drain because my <laughs> I can't come up with a good answer or solution to a lot of it. And it's so nice having another person to bounce them off of. So maybe that's what we're going to do in this podcast a lot more. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we're together. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, maybe we should end here. We didn't solve the world's problems, but... I don't know. A little closer. A little closer. You're right. And more than anything, I hope that um, I hope that there's parents that are listening that are in similar situations. Cause I'd love to hear from you what you kind of how you navigate this whole journey with your kids, because it's not easy. And I know it's not easy with any kids by any means, um, but it's just kind of that extra level of, difficulty sometimes (laughs) so and we will see i think more than anything the test will be tonight um will told me before bed that he was not going to school even though he did not go to school today um hopefully he's sleeping right now but we will see in the morning if i can get him out the door so cross everything liza
1: okay here's hoping
0: I need it so bad. A, we need a whole night's sleep tonight. We need sleep all the way through. And B, I need them to go to school because I need a little bit of breathing room and quiet. So please, 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 please. (laughs) Thank you. Well, thank you for talking with me, Liza. We will do this again. And thank you for listening for anybody that stuck it through till the end. And maybe we'll write some notes for this one on our blog as well so don't forget to visit www.willowjack and that's j a k at the end.com and anything else lies that a throw out there the blog is
1: back the is so
0: back new posts it's yes starting today it's starting today yes so we are back to blogging again we've got our regular writers and we are open to guest writers if you have anything that you would like to submit as well um just drop us a line at info at willowjock.com and we will gladly talk about it see if we can get you included in our schedule perfect well thank you have okay. a good day Liza thanks you too <laughs> talk to you later
1: bye, bye.
0: Dummy, 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 mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: dummy This has been a Willow Jack podcast, Choose Your Own After, released on October 14th, 2021. Hosted and produced by Stacey Haley. Sound effects, William Haley. Edited by Liza McClelland. As a postscript to this episode, we are back to begging for your forgiveness for our multiple audio glitches. We'll get the hang of this one day, but for now, and as always, we'll never be perfect, but we'll always be real. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Oh, yeah.